Life is full of what ifs. Some awesome, like what if AI could fold your laundry? And some, well, less awesome, like what if you have unexpected medical costs? United Healthcare can help get you covered with Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans. They supplement your primary plan to help you manage out of pocket costs. No deductibles, no enrollment periods, and especially no more what ifs. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board certified physicians who can prescribe FDA approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number smart beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number limited edition smart bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Offer deadline on Oak Street, mile three. Welcome to the housing market. I'm with Redfin, and I'm here to help. I need to sell my house. Great. Redfin charges a 1% listing fee when you buy and sell with us, which is more than half off the usual fee and saves you an average of $8,400. Oh, wow. Is that all? Uh, yep. I'm kidding. You had me at 1%. Want to win? Sell with Redfin. It's real estate done right. Bidding war at the offer's counter in five minutes. Average savings is Redfin refund plus 1% listing fee. Subject to minimums. Not available in all areas. Learn more at redfin.com. Welcome, everybody, to this week's episode. We really appreciate you joining us. This podcast really shows us how we can all learn, live, and thrive off of each other. By sharing our knowledge through our conversations, we will impart some knowledge whilst learning ourselves how to progress even further. Here is your host... Welcome, everyone. Welcome, Lee, my co-host. Welcome to my show, Spirit Talk. I've written a book called Conjoined, A Holocaust Haunting, One Man, Two Hearts, and Me. It's a book that I've worked on with Lee. Lee is um, my good friend, but she's also a spiritual counselor Um, a licensed therapist, a channeler, medium, and so on. And I'm excited to have you as my guest host today. So welcome, Lee. Thank you. We had a great show last week, so thanks for having me back. I know you got some a great topic that we want to talk about today, so I'm really excited about it. So thank you so much. Thank you. So today's topic is something I thought I could never imagine ever talking about it. I didn't think about it as a child, as an adult. But only until about 2018, when I had some working with you and had some sessions, the topic of an entity attachment came up. And um, and what I'd like to do first is um, read a few paragraphs from my book, 
during a session that we had together. Now, if you haven't tuned into last week, um, very briefly, I was on a mission. My father had changed his name from Avram Stein Sapir to Ari or Arye Kaplan during World War II. He found an ID during the war and he used this alias for the rest of his life. Years ago in 2018, I was on a mission to discover who was this man whose name I had inherited. And so I spent six months uh, doing research and came up empty handed. So I asked you, Lee, if um, you could help me maybe channel, find a place in Europe where I could do some research. And you said, let's just conjure up his spirit. So we've had several sessions with this spirit named Arya Kaplan, and I'd like to read a few paragraphs from my book. So here the spirit Arya Kaplan is speaking through you. You were channeling him. He said, it was in May of 1943 when I died of a head trauma, hypothermia and starvation. My leg was broken and I was unconscious. At 19 years old, I lay on the frozen ground in the woods all alone. I died with bitterness and anger in my heart toward Hitler and Germany. All I wanted was to return to my home, to my family, to work in the store, and eventually marry and have children. I called out to God, but no one heard me. He was quiet. Then after a few moments, I said, Arye, please go on. He said, your father found me in the morning face down on the ground. He was in a state of fear and shock. He shook me, but my body did not move. Yet I was startled. Then he turned me over. I noticed that icicles had formed on my hair and beard overnight. He ransacked my clothes. I tried punching and fighting him off, but I couldn't defend myself. I looked down at my body, put two and two together, and realized that I was dead. Then I had enough sense to know that my spirit was out of my body, and I had remained earthbound. Is that when you... My father found your ID, I asked. Yes, he said. He found my small pouch that contained my army ID and card along with my knife. Then he put the pouch inside his pants pocket. He removed my jacket, shirt, and boots. We were similar size, so my clothes fit him fine. As I said before, your father was in a state of desperation, hysteria, and fright. He was traumatized, not grounded or in his body. He was partially desensitized and his soul was in fragments. His energy was easily vulnerable. Now entranced by this delivery of important information, I paid attention to every word. Aries continued, I made a quick decision. Just like the flea that hops on the back of a horse, I merge and attach my energy to your father's energy field. He didn't realize what had happened. I thought your dad could take me back to my hometown. This may seem, sound strange to you, but it was easy jumping into his body. I gasped and said, you're a dibbic? See, a dibbic is a ghost 
or a wandering demonic soul that possesses the body of a living person. A dibbit can talk through the mouth of its host and perhaps cause severe mental illness. I always thought this was Jewish folklore, a bunch of superstitious legends from centuries long ago. Call me what you like, he said. Your father's emotions, along with my demeanor and rage and anger, all intertwined. He possessed, he was possessed with my energy. So my emotional and mental state coupled with his own traumatic experiences during the war intensified. This is why your father became enraged, he said. This is beyond insanity, I thought. I was speechless. So that is the story of how this young spirit entered, emerged into my father's body in the forests of Eastern Europe during World War II. So Lee, do you remember having that session and what you thought at the time? And have you dealt with entity attachments before? Well, when I read your book, I thought, oh my gosh, I had channeled all that information. I'd forgotten it. It's been, what, probably five years ago, six years ago. It's been a while. I think it was 2016. So no, I do not remember. I only remember, I remember sitting on your couch and offering that information, but I don't remember all the details. So I was, as I said, really shocked. I have worked with entity attachments. I do that in my spiritual counseling practice. Uh, and so, that no, this is not new to me. But the day that we worked with you or the days that we worked with you, uh, those were the most um, comprehensive uh, communications that I've had with one, with one being, one entity. And is this common? We're going to get into talking about um, entity attachments and who's prone to them. And I'm going to also talk a little bit more about what Judaism has to say about entity attachments. Um, but is this a common phenomenon? It's more common than what people might realize. If some people have ever seen the movie Ghost with Whoopi Goldberg and Patrick Swayze, where uh, the entity or the, the being in the, in the subway attaches itself uh, to, again, the villain, I guess, in, in that movie. And then create it, you know, cause havoc and chaos. That's it's not unusual, and so we're not we don't really understand it fully in the sense that we're not aware because we may not see these beings, or we may not feel them, or we might might, might not even know that we have an entity attachment. But it is uncommon. I mean, excuse me, it is more common than we realize. Right now, I had never even thought about entity attachments, but I do remember in 1973, I was 11 years old and the movie, The Exorcist came to the theaters and I certainly didn't want to go because I'm very squeamish, but there were long lines and people saw the movie and they couldn't sleep for days after seeing the movie. Um, are all entity attachments that, that demonic? I can't give a generalization of that. Um, I think it just really depends on the vibration of the individual and how low their vibration is. 
So if their their consciousness is in a lower frequency, then an entity will attach to it that's a vibrational match. So people who are depressed or suicidal or using drugs or alcohol, it lowers their frequency. And if they're in this lower state of consciousness, then a being can attach because it's like a hope, it's like a parasite that can actually feel the sensations and they enjoy the sensation of the drugs or the drinking or the emotions that attach you know, to that person. I see. Okay. All right. I do hear some clicking in the background. I'm not sure if it's on my end or your end or maybe it's a spirit. Yeah, my end. I have, to, I have to get some headphones. Keep talking. Okay. I'll keep talking. So let me talk a little bit about what Judaism has to say about demonic possession. In the book of Samuel, um, Samuel was the prophet to the first king of Israel, King Saul, and this is 11th century BCE. There was a, there were a few. There's a story there in the book of Samuel where. Um, it said that the spirit of God had left King Saul and he was tormented by a spirit. And King and um, the prophet Samuel said, in order to exercise this um, demonic soul from, from King Saul, we needed to bring someone who can play the lyre to to help that out with the exorcism. So the prophet Samuel brought young David to King Saul and David played his lyre and was able to exorcise the spirit from King Saul. So in essence, King David was the first exorcist in Jewish history. Um, in the 12th and 13th centuries, when the Jews lived in Spain in that area, the Iberian Peninsula, um, they lived amongst the Christians and the Muslims, and all three religions did have some belief system in um, spirits and, and devils and demons and, and dibics or entity attachments. But the Jews during the Spanish Inquisition, when they were expelled and they migrated into Eastern Europe, they kept a lot of these beliefs with them and they moved. Um, many Jews um, lived in Sfat in northern Israel, and that became like the mystical center of Judaism. And a new form of Kabbalah, which is Jewish mysticism, had evolved. Lurianic Kabbalah um, had evolved in the 1600s. And it was at that time that there were a lot of Jews who believed in reincarnation, they believed in life, the life after death, they believed in, um, in dibics, entity attachments, um, and all throughout Judaism, in, in, the, in the five books of Moses, uh, or the Old Testament, um, and even in the Talmud, there are stories about angels and angels of death, and there are spells that the rabbis had to prevent um, uh, demons. Um, so you'll find 
a lot of information about angels and spirits and dibics all throughout um, history of the Jewish people. Um, one of the f- there was an exorcism that occurred in 2010 um, that was noted by a rabbi in Israel who tried to exorcise a dibic from a young Jewish man living in Brazil. Um, they did this online and it wasn't successful. And there was talk that this young man had then gone to Israel. But exorcisms were common in Judaism. And what would happen was if a rabbi, this is mostly in the 16th century, if a rabbi felt that someone in the community um, had and an possessed, was possessed um, versus being mentally ill, he would bring that person to the synagogue. The synagogue would surround the, the 10 pious men, a quorum of 10 men would surround this person. They would hold what I have here are black candles. They would hold black candles and through verbal coercion, the rabbi would try to um, talk to this entity attachment, get to know its name, why it merged into this person bo- person's body. And through verbal coercion, it would try to exercise the um, entity. Now, if that didn't work, then the rabbi would then blow the, this is called a shofar, a ram's horn. And when we use this a ram's horn during the high holidays, it's to wake us up. It's an alarm. And the rabbi would use this um, because the uh, sharp, agonizing sounds of the uh, shofar of this ram's horn would hopefully these blasting noises would shock the dibic and it would jump out of the body. And I'm going to see if I can can. Um, Blow the horn here, blow the shofar, and you'll you'll hear the kind of shocking noise. Um, but it's a louder noise. I, I don't have the lungs for the capacity to do this. But this is what they use during the exorcism in hopes that the dibic would then um, uh, leave the, the person's body. Can I share my story of how I did an exorcism on my friend? Absolutely. So this is in the early 90s when I started channeling. I started channeling in 1993. And a friend of mine was coming to my office. I was doing massage therapy and also doing my channeling work simultaneously. And she came to get her massage. And she said to me, Lee, she says, I think I might be possessed by a bad angel. She said... I was at the train tracks and a thought came to me that maybe I'll just kill myself and pull my car on the train tracks and kill myself. And she had been feeling the what she called these angels around her, or this one particular angel. She thought it was an angel around her. And then she began to question after that day where she was having thoughts of maybe killing herself on the railroad track that maybe this was not an angel. So she asked me if I could do an exorcism. I was early in my practice as a, uh, a, chan- a channeler, as one who worked with uh, higher spirits. And lo and behold, this being was not an angel. It was a mischief- mischievous being. 
and the guide that I was working with then grand came through and I remember clearing the energy of that being from her energy field and she could actually feel the energy and the being releasing she was never troubled by that being ever again and grand advised her to um, not to call forth any beings because when I started working with the angels and the guides she thought she was ready to do that but they told her she should just stick to meditation because her vibration was not high enough to be able to protect herself or guard herself or to work with higher beings and so she had drawn to herself this this being that was being harmful so it was causing mischievous acts it was um, causing her to act bizarrely and to to my surprise like I said in those early days I was new to all this that she felt the being leave and again was never troubled again so that was indeed a shock to me that I was able to do that in my early days of my career. So it does work and it is, uh, it is real. Yes. It's, it's unbelievable actually how this happens. Um, I, I thought we could talk a little bit about um, how our energy, the energy of the earth uh, the collective consciousness of the earth, how all this has effect on us, how is it has an effect on as our souls leave our body, effect on the afterlife. Um, because this all plays into the story of these uh, demonic souls or these low energy souls. So let's first talk about um, what is collective consciousness of our planet Earth, and um, how does the energy affect this collective consciousness? You want to share? Well, my understanding of the collective consciousness is that it is the energy of all the thought forms that have been emitted onto the planet throughout the course of time. So every time we think something positive, that energy goes out into the collective. If we have negative thoughts, if we have uh, acts of violence or war, that energy gets emitted into the collective. It, to me, it's like a big cloud over the sky that it's holding the frequency and the vibration. And so just as we have uh, our own energy field, the, the planet has her own energy field as well. The original energy of what we call, I call it, I don't want to call it the fall of grace, but it was when we as spirits chose to come to this earth plane and forget our oneness with the great Godhead. We began to fall into what I call a state of fear and separation. We came to this earth plane originally as divine spirits with our full awareness, but then we began to separate ourselves from the Godhead and fear began to set in because we were no longer connected to the energy of the God essence. So we begin to have fear of survival, how we're going to take care of ourselves, fear of danger. Again, th this fear began to become imprinted within the human consciousness and within the collective because of all that was being sent out. So just like my friend who had drawn this entity to her, her vibration was more fearful. Um, I remember at the time, she's since passed away, but she um, drank a lot. And so spirit told her that she shouldn't really be drinking. And so this entity was able to attach to her because she was drinking a lot. And so as we 
lower our frequencies for whatever reasons and we begin to to focus more on being fearful than we are of holding the energy of what we call our divine presence or divine essence connected to God, then we become, again, in a lower state of, of frequency. Most of us and all of us that I know here on the earth plane, we, we all have fears. And yet if we can begin to discern that most of our fears are not warranted, again, it's, it's imprinted within us. It's a part of the collective and yet if we can hold the energy of faith and hope and trust and allowance, then we can move past those lower frequencies and then move into the higher frequencies of love, compassion, divine wisdom, feeling our connection to the God essence and really trusting that everything is in divine order. So this collective consciousness is... Um this set of beliefs and ideas and moral attitudes that operates as a unifying force. And when we are filled with fear, um, the fear that then kind of disperses into this collective consciousness and it somehow, it built, it builds on this fear. And then when someone is filled with so much fear, does the collective consciousness have an effect on the person? And then it kind of, you know, goes, you know, it kind of revolves the collective consciousness to the person. The fear kind of gets trapped up there. And then the person who lives in fear get, picks up more fear. Is that how it works? Well, I don't know all the details of all of that, but I do understand that it, like attracts like. And so if our vibration or our frequency is a fear, then we will attract fear to us. Okay. So we've talked about that before with um, some of uh, your own fears and how to be mindful of what you project out will come back. So right. like a magnet, whatever you're focusing on will come back to you. So again, within the collective consciousness, this energy is, is pervasive. Uh, just like now, or we've been, been into a pandem pandemic for a couple of years, people's fears are heightened. And so we feel it, we sense it. That energy is very real. So if you ever walked into a store and you can see the fear in someone's eyes because you've gotten too close to them or they're afraid, you know, they're, you're going to cough on them or sneeze on them or whatever. And so um, this energy is extremely, is really palpable and very, so this is a part of that energy that's pervasive that is really needing to be cleared. So it's for each person to take responsibility for their own fear so that we don't continue to contribute to the collective and to be able to detach to the best of our ability from the collective fear so that we are not in that state. Uh, we see the, the fear can um, spread quickly. It, it reminds me of... Um... Well, that's a part of the media, like what happens with television right. and internet. And we see, we read something. And so then it's like, oh my gosh, this is happening. And then we become fearful. So that, that energy is pervasive. And so we're collecting it, we're bringing it into our being. So we're all, all have that frequency within us. And yet then we're being bombarded. We're overstimulated by this fear. So no wonder people are mentally unbalanced or they're sick uh, or people are going crazy and there's road rage and there's mass shootings and there's just so much that's going on with people's psychic and psyche, psyche, psyche. 
And yet people in many ways, their energy field is very fragile because of all that's happening. And if you're not mentally balanced and grounded, then you can succumb to even greater fear and become even more paranoid and out of control. Right, right. So during um, the 1930s um, in Germany, there was a lot of anti-Semitism. It started to take root and in the German culture. And Hitler had spread horrific lies against the Jews. Mm-hmm. And there was a lot of fear within the German culture. So much fear, fear on how to survive financially because they've just dealt with World War One. They're just... And Hitler encouraged and breeded this fear, and it spread like a wildfire. There was so much hysteria and hatred against the Jews, so that eventually six million Jews were murdered because of this fear. And that is like the collective consciousness of this country had caused such enormous pain worldwide. It began with... Any comments or is? Well, it just makes me think of uh, the epigenetics in terms of how it's passed down from generation to generation, that frequency, that vibration is held, you know, with one's DNA. And so your dad was a Holocaust survivor, but you also uh, lived with his his fear, but also within your own um, physical structure, you're kind of a nervous, anxious person. And so there's a lot of fear that you also hold. So I'm, sh- I'm sure that you are being affected by what's happened to not only to your father energetically, but also from the collective what happened to the Jewish people during the Holocaust. Right. Now, do I appear, <laughs> uh, for people who don't know me, who just see my external, they think I'm a very calm or serene-like personality. But for someone who knows me, quite well, you understand that I have a lot of fear inside of me. Mm-hmm. And it's it's this fear has been passed down from generation to generation. I talk about the science of epigenetics in my book and how um, the trauma of your grandparents or parents, we're talking about war, famine, just major trauma that affected their lives will be transmitted through the DNA will be transferred to the next generation. So on a physiological level, it is there. In addition to my father being traumatized and he brought his, his, um, this trauma into my home. And so I have a, I mean, he had the highest form of PTSD, but in essence, I also have PTSD um, I have a startle reflex. I get nervous if, um, you know, it, it, like I have to control my environment and I, I can't be around um, cats or dogs or butterflies or things that will just come into my, um, my field of vision. I just get really started or loud noises will, will startle me. And I'm guessing that's all part of the epigenetics mm-hmm. and your home invasion didn't help anything no no yeah and yeah. bringing yeah. that and bringing that up in terms of i remember you were talking about um saying well what if what if something happened to your children and then the home invasion you know occurred 
So part of that energy, we're talking about it like attracts like your fear, I believe manifested that frequency to you and drew that experience to you. Not only does you get, you had, you had stated it and put it out into the world in the collective, well, what if something, you know, ever, someone ever harmed my children? And so then it manifested itself. So you can see the power of that, that uh, manifestation that can happen rather quickly. So what happened was, is I had forgiven my father and I also went back to Poland and had forgiven those men that murdered my family, my grandmother, my aunts. And I thought, well, as difficult as it was to forgive my father on his deathbed, I forgave him. He couldn't hurt me. And as difficult as it was to forgive those perpetrators of that Holocaust, those murderers that murdered my family, well, I could forgive them. And I know that no one's going to come knocking on my door trying to, no Nazi's going to come on my door trying to hurt me. And then I put out, well, what if someone would dare hurt my children? Could I be able to forgive them? And then a few months later, I had a home invasion where, where three men with masks and guns came into my home. Two of my children were home and we all had guns to our head tied up. It was the most horrific five minutes of my life. None of us were physically harmed, though I was bruised and, and, and thrown down on the floor. Um, but that five, five minutes caused such trauma in my body that uh, it took me a good year to recover from. Mm -hmm. um, and that startle reflex that I had just intensified. And, but I do remember thinking, what if? And then all of a sudden, a few months later, the what if came to be. Mm -hmm. And I'm sh so that's somewhat of an example, I guess, of the collective in terms of what is sent out there being brought back into you or you're bringing it back into your awareness or into your reality. So it's be mindful of, of what you're thinking or what you're feeling or what you're sending out yeah. again. And now as much as this energy of fear has such an impact on the collective consciousness, has an impact on ourselves and on our DNA and all that. But what about positive energy? What about the energy of love and, and, and how, how does that affect, how does that affect us and the people around us? And, um, what do you what do you have to what do you think about um, that? Well, when we send out positive vibrations and we hold that frequency within our own system, people actually literally feel it. I have people tell me, my niece in particular and my brother in law particularly tell me tell me that I'm a calming effect. I'm they feel peace when they're in my presence. I don't necessarily feel peaceful all the time like you. Don't always feel you know maybe nervous all the time. I don't always feel in this peaceful state by any means, shape or form, but they both feel this sense of, oh, all is well. They feel calm within my presence. So energetically, they're picking up the vibration or I call it the core of the essence of me. The essence of my energy must be peace. And so the same thing as we send that vibration out into the world, then we make a difference. The earth actually is a living, breathing entity. And so she, as we admit love, peace, harmony, and balance as we 
bring that out into the world through our meditations, through by walking, through um, mantras, by simply going out into the earth and just sending love and, and gratitude to the earth, the earth will actually feel that energy and that vibration and respond accordingly. Uh, in my home, uh, I had invoked the vibration of peace into my home uh, several months ago. I had gone to Asheville, North Carolina and did an activation and activated and brought forth the energy of peace from the crystal kingdom underneath the land there in Asheville, underneath the mountains, into that, into the, um, into onto the surface. I, I asked and prayed that peace come forward through the crystalline kingdom, and I asked that that energy now be in my home. When people walk into my home, they actually feel very comfortable here. They feel very peaceful here, and I've only been here about five months, and I, this is the most peace that I've ever felt in my life. I feel very calm and centered and balanced. So. So I know that vibration, that frequency is being emitted into my home uh, because I'm able to feel it and other people are able to respond to it and feel it as well. I know that there, you know, when I travel, um, there are certain parts of the world that you just feel so alive. The, the areas feel so pristine and pure. I remember going, my husband, before the pandemic to the glaciers in southern Argentina we see these white glaciers with this cobalt blue um, glistening in between the white and it and when you walk through them and take a boat near them it just feels so pure as if there was just pure white bright light there and then when I, my husband and I traveled, we went to Auschwitz, the death camp in, in Poland, and Treblinka, another death camp, that it felt so heavy there. Mm -hmm. So you can feel in certain areas of the earth, there are some areas that just feel so good. And there are other areas that you just want to avoid. Well, it's all energy, the power centers, the sacred sites, the vortices, uh, say like Sedona uh, or Glastonbury in England or perhaps the place that you went in um, uh, Argentina, as you said, Argentina? Yeah, southern Argentina. Argentina. Uh, perhaps that was a power center. It was a vortice where there's powerful energy that's coming you know, from the earth or to the earth there and people actually feel it. Uh, the same as when you went to Germany, to Auschwitz, where all the death, you could actually feel the energy because that energy, more likely all that that um, fear and violence and hatred and negativity is still imprinted within the earth. So energy is very real, very palpable. You've, you've walked into a part of town where you're like, or you're driving a part of town, and you're like, oh, this feels really nice. This feels really calm. And again, you can go to another section of this you know, same town and that vibration feels different. That's, again, the collective vibration of the consciousness of the people and the energy of the land, as well as the people bringing their, their consciousness out. And you can feel it. It's very real. It's very palpable. Right. And, um, and then we also are um, a vortex of energy. So each of us hold our energy. And and sometimes you can be around someone who, like you said, feels so good. And sometimes there are other people that their vibes kind of don't mesh with your vibe. So mm -hmm. you can sense, I know now that I just want to surround myself now with 
people who I feel good around and go to places where I feel good. And a lot of people like the listeners out there, can you tell the difference between places where you feel alive and feel the love and feel the positiveness of the earth? And can you sense other places where you feel the opposite? And, um, and it's just so fascinating because you, when you were a child, like you knew, oh, I don't want to be around this person or this family member, but there were certain family members that I always wanted to be around. Mm-hmm. Um, and I didn't understand it at the time, but now I understand that it's like the energy they hold. Do mm-hmm. I want to be around this type of person? Yeah, because oftentimes we've been around people who drain us, energy vampires who would drain our energy, or immediately might feel irritated or uncomfortable around them. Right. Or again, we're around people who uplift us and we feel joyful and peaceful. So everything's all a frequency. And again, it's it's a part of what you're sending out in your own thought forms, but also what energy vibration was in within your own auric field. Right. So, and then we also leave like an energetic imprint. So wherever I go, there's a bit of the energy from me that I've left in that spot. Um, And it's, to me, it's like you walk into an elevator and you you smell the perfume of someone who had just left. Mm -hmm. It's as if just like someone that leaves their scent of their perfume, we Mm -hmm. do leave energetic imprints wherever we go. And hopefully Mm -hmm. we'll leave positive energy imprints wherever we go. That's why it's to be mindful when we go out into the world that we protect ourselves from other people's energies, not to be fearful, but simply to know that someone else has has been in the same seat that we are sitting in. Somebody's in the same, um, on the same road that we're driving in. And so they've left their energy there and we're all picking up on that, again, that collective. Right. And so, so no. it's like taking, taking a shower or, ta- or, t- or, or changing our clothes. It's important to be able to clear the frequencies of, again, the outer world from our energetic frequency. People will do that through using sage or um, using... Um, um, the white sage to clear your home. Uh, they may use uh, essential oils in some way to clear their frequency. Uh, I will just literally just take my hand and just clear the energy and send the energy with love to earth, clear my energy till I feel it cleared. Or I'll send the energy back to its original source with love so that these frequencies are, are not um, um, affecting me or Again, it's like smoke, you know, that it's like, oh, I got to clear this so that I can see clearly. I can feel clearly. I can be sovereign over my own energy field again. So now my father, who was in a state of trauma, he witnessed his mother and sisters murdered. Then he ran into the forests of Eastern Europe, living there for three and a half years. So he was he was in a state of trauma Um, unable to process what had just happened to him and always looking behind his back, wondering if there's a Nazi, a dog, a German shepherd, or someone who was trying to kill him. This was ongoing daily um, for three and a half years. So um, 
he was very vulnerable. And I think you've mentioned before that there are um, people who don't, who aren't physically healthy or mentally healthy or emotionally healthy. They also are weakened and just, and as if their whole body is traumatized. And so when your body is traumatized, the, um, the entity attachment, Arye, in my book, had said that my father was easily vulnerable. So it was easy to attach himself into my father. So um, so people who are vulnerable to entity attachments are people that have, who may be like drug addicts or alcoholics or um, any other type of people that you can... Well, people who have psychiatric problems, mental, mentally ill people, people who, again, people who are traumatized that have gone through some level of trauma. You know, I'm sure that the people in Ukraine now are, are, um, will be affected because of all that they've gone through. Um, people have been in car accidents. Uh, also, people who have lost family members unexpectedly, unexpectedly through, through death, uh, shock, uh, physical trauma to your health. Uh, getting a diagnosis maybe of cancer or that you only have a few months to live. Uh, people go into an altered state of consciousness and can be affected by lower vibrational frequency. So any type of trauma. And how would somebody know? I mean, you, you gave, you, you shared an example of your, of this woman that worked with you, but what, what are, how would you know that you, if someone is possessed, how would you know? What are are there any signs or 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 symptoms that a person well, if if one if a person's behavior is is much different or erratic or unusual in some fashion from their normal personality or their normal behavior, uh, if someone begins to to start drinking more or starts using drugs or starts being promiscuous or um, becomes um, irresponsible and maybe wanting to, to run away from home. I'm a married lady who's happily married and something's happened and she's like, I'm going to leave my family and leave my kids. Anything that might be unusual uh, that a person may identify that this is not my normal behavior. This is not my normal self. So there's a possibly a possibility of an entity attachment. And it could be. It doesn't mean it is, but it could be. And what about these massive shooters? Um, I believe a lot of those are have entity attachments. I believe those um, souls are confused for whatever reason. I don't know if all the people have mental illness, um, but I trust that that's probably the case. And so these entities come in and they want to kill because it satisfies some um, sensation for them. Uh, as the entity attachment, maybe not in all the cases, but I, I would say a great deal of them. Okay. So, um, so your suggestions for how to keep ourselves in a positive light, how to keep us mentally stable, and and well, for me, for example, as I try not to listen to the news. 
Because when I watch the news, I am so filled with fear and angst. And there's nothing I can do like when what's going on with Ukraine now with Putin and the Russians invading Ukraine. I feel so helpless. And when I sit and watch the news, I get so anxious and filled with fear. Mm -hmm. And I know that many Holocaust survivors or people who've gone through war who are tuning in and listening, they are triggered and they become anxious and filled with fear. So I know for myself, I try not to watch the news. Um, I try to watch shows that are comical, that are lighthearted. I don't want to watch any or listen to any horror stories. Um, sometimes my husband would um, say to me, we'd be talking, whatever, and he'd hear, oh, do you want to hear what happened today? And and he starts by, and there's a negative story, a murder or this or that. And I say to him, for every one story you're going to share with me, give me five positive stories or don't yeah. So it's so one thing I do is I just don't want to listen to the news. Mm-hmm. And, and even ahead. on Facebook, there's so much, you know, like the fear, the conspiracy theories, everything goes viral and people get so fearful. Like I, I try not to, to spend uh, much time on Facebook either and choose what I want to read. Mm-hmm. Well, that's the epi- epidemic is fear. The pandemic is fear. That's what we t- I talked about in my channeling session. The pandemic is fear. And so as we begin to raise our vibration into a higher state than fear, then we're less affected by what we see or experience or what's happening within our world. I must say you can 100%, but you can become what I call a detached observer where you're not connected to the emotion or to the energy of what's happening. So you can stay away from the television set. You can stay away from your telephone. Uh, You can certainly ground yourself by going outside and walking, uh, doing meditation, doing anything where you can calm your mind and stay grounded and centered. And again, clearing your energy field. If you're feeling like you're, you know, what I call it, just got heavy energy on you of someone has yelled at you or they've been mean at you or whatever it is, you just clear the energy, send their energy back to them with love. Just continue to keep your energy as clear as possible. Whatever works for you, however way that you can keep your energy clear. Again, being outside in nature, connecting nature is probably the number one. Uh, And if you're not able to do that, you just simply go into quiet meditation and continue to focus love into your heart and begin to breathe in the vibration of peace that's what I uh, will have people do is they call in their I am presence. I love to invoke the vibration of I am that I am into my heart because it raises my frequency and I can really feel this within my heart. When I, I'm not going to say it real loud here, but I, when I teach, I will invoke the I am presence. I am that I am. I am that I am. I am that I am. And when I do that, I feel this energy within my heart and it jump starts. It starts my energy field, and I really begin to feel empowered in a a sense of peace where I'm able to move through, again, the extraneous energies that perhaps are affecting me. I love to use that. It really helps me a lot. And I do know that when I've asked friends where they feel most 
connected to God or where they feel most spiritual or uplifting is they stay in nature and they feel like go hug a tree, go. I walk down to Lake Michigan and I feel so alive. I'm walking through the ravines and the streams until I get to the lake and just sitting by the water. It just, I feel cleared and, mm-hmm. and I love walking. Yeah there so yeah so these are some of the things we can do to help um uplift us and make us feel good and and try to avoid that fear from taking over us and contributing to the fear of the collective consciousness right any last words you'd like to say lee i can't think of any in this moment i just ask people to be mindful of their own thoughts and what they're projecting on the world into the world. Because at this time, again, as I said, like attracts like. So if you're, you're bringing forth the energy of love and positivity that will continue to create. If you continue to create fear and negativity and certainty, then you're contributing. Do you want to be part of the problem or do you want to be a part of the solution? Right. Amen. I, yes. All right. Well, thank you, Lee, for uh, joining me on today's program. And um, next week, we will have another interesting topic. Um, We will talk about past life regression. And we have lots to cover next week. And we hope to see you all then. All right. Thanks, Karen. Thanks for having me. Everybody have a great day. Thanks. Bye-bye. 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 Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns.